Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim Harris will teach us from the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. This is the account of a single miracle, and it's recorded only in Mark's gospel. Jesus and his disciples are still traveling around the Sea of Galilee, and now they've come to the home of several of the disciples called Bethsaida. Jesus is continuing to teach the disciples, and as we can see in verse 21, they still weren't getting it. Jesus asked them, Do you not yet understand? And this new miracle provides an illustration of their lack of sight. He asks the blind man, Do you see anything? And we might add in parentheses, yet? You wonder, did the disciples get his point? The illustration could equally apply to all of us. How much of Jesus have you seen and understood? How has it changed your worldview? How has it changed you? Do you understand yet? Here's today's slice of the message entitled, For Your Eyes Only. It is interesting, there are some fascinating verbs in here. In, in verse 24, the verb that's translated looked up when he, you know, probably had, it, probably had his head down. I mean, what, what was there to do with his eyes except have his eyes shut? He looked up, so it's translated that way, but that's from the Greek word anablepo, uh, which is the same verb used in John 9 and in Mark 10 to describe healing of blindness. So it was a miraculous thing. And then... The fact that he saw men looking like trees and walking around uh, means it was out of focus and he understood that he could see other people, but they were fuzzy and indistinguishable uh, from, from trees. So the second time he touched his eyes, it says that he looked intently. That's another Greek compound word, diablepo, that means to see through or to see with a penetrating gaze. In other words, the fog was gone. The blurriness was gone. His vision was in perfect focus, so he was able to see anything with sharp clarity. It reminds me, when I was a, when I was a kid, oh, the, the suffering of those days to change a TV channel, you had to get up out of your chair, walk all the way over to the TV set, and turn the dial, click, 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 or clunk, clunk, clunk is the way ours was, and then you'd finally get to one of the stations that was broadcast in your area, and then you would see men walking around who looked like trees walking around. But there was this other dial, remember, fine-tuning, and you would fiddle with it, and it would finally come into focus. That's what Jesus did for this guy. He fine-tuned his eyesight, and and he, the difference is he, he locked it into the setting of perfect. And by the way, Jesus did not even need to feel with, fiddle with the guy's rabbit ears, as we had to back in those days. I don't even know if he had rabbit ears. It wasn't hearing, so maybe it was just, well, let's just move on, shall we? The setting for the miracle. The, fine, or the, the phase one, the fine-tuning, 
And now finally, why I chose this title, For Your Eyes Only. A very simple verse, Mark 8, 26. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. So he went to the trouble to take him outside the village rather than do it where all the people were. He apparently didn't even take the ones who brought him. It doesn't sound like he did. Just a small group saw this miracle, and now he says, don't go back into town and talk to people. You can go home. Surely you can tell your family. Now, we've seen this many times that Jesus instructs people not to tell anyone about their experience, especially healings. He's doing the same thing here. All the reasons for that that we've given before are still in effect. Jesus wasn't looking to gather crowds. He wasn't looking for fame as a healer. He didn't want the message to be all about healing. He wanted the message to be about who He is and what He came to accomplish. He wanted the complete story of the gospel to be included. And as we put this into the context of the book of Mark, that sets us up for the very next event in which Jesus is going to explain, uh, begin explaining very clearly that He has to go to Jerusalem and die and rise again. That's the full story. After that, He's not going to be telling people, don't tell anybody. We also know that uh, this miracle, like all the others, is here to attest to the deity of Jesus because that's true of every paragraph of this whole book. Remember Mark chapter 1 verse 1 is like a title for the whole book, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So this is to show that He is God, the Son in human flesh. But in this case, I think there's even more to it because of the chronological setting of this. The miracle itself is very straightforward, not hard to understand, especially after you've seen that it's in the pattern of all the preceding miracles that we've seen through Mark and the other Gospels. It's the setting of this incident that seems to give it particular significance. It's no coincidence that the healing of this physically blind man immediately followed the demonstration of the permanent spiritual blindness of the religious leaders that we saw back in chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. And then after that, in 14 through 21, he has illustrated the, the temporary spiritual blindness of the disciples. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, there was no hope for them. They had signed off on Jesus. He does everything by the power of Satan. The disciples, remember Jesus kind of chided them? Are you still not seeing? They were in a process of coming to see. They were in a process of getting it. So this man's healing is an illustration of going from spiritual darkness to spiritual sight or from darkness to, uh, to light. If you want to find a reason for a two-step healing, maybe that's a picture of where the disciples were going. They were sort of beginning to see things spiritually, but they hadn't gotten it all put together yet, and they were going to come into 
clear focus. So in this case, telling the man to go home and not go into the town of Bethsaida seems to illustrate the confirmation of divine judgment on the people collectively who were in that place. Just like their apostate religious leaders, the residents of Bethsaida had no excuse for their unbelief. Everybody in town could probably say, were you there on the day that we ate the miracle fish and bread? They had seen with their own eyes. They'd witnessed many other miracles, but they refused to repent. So I think Jesus, withholding more information from them, was picturing judgment. Why do I have the boldness to say that? Because Jesus said it. He's going to take them up to Caesarea Philippi. We're going to see that next time. He's going to make another trip way down to the south. He's going to spend some time ministering in Judea before he goes to the the cross. And when he's in Judea, before he goes to Jerusalem to give his life, he's going to say this, which is recorded in Luke chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. Woe to you, Chorazin. We'll talk about Chorazin later. Not today, but some other time. He says, Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, those Gentile, idolatrous places, if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. Now, there's a lot of interesting stuff. And if we were preaching through Luke, we could maybe take some time and talk about that. Like, who can say if this had happened there, that would have happened there? You kind of got to be God to say that, don't you? Okay, another subject. So by escorting this man outside of town, denying him the opportunity to go back and talk about it, Jesus seems to be confirming the permanence of Bethsaida's unbelief and His own coming judgment upon them. It's like the Pharisees whom He confronted earlier. The, the residents of that generation in Bethsaida were being sentenced to eternal spiritual blindness. That doesn't mean no one from there could believe, but that was the pattern of the people there. Another reason that I think this miracle is here and happened in this setting and in this manner is to emphasize again that we are seeing the close of an era in the life of Jesus. We've talked about him being in Galilee for well over a year. Then he'd taken that one trip that up to Tyre and Sidon and over to Decapolis and back across the, the Sea of Galilee and one more confrontation with the, with the Pharisees. Um, now he's moving on. And this is setting up the next section. That's the one in which Peter is going to confess on behalf of the disciples, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. Peter and the rest of them knew from the book of Isaiah that maladies like deafness and blindness are going to be banished from the earth when the Messiah reigns as King. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.